Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. It is Friday, September 23rd at 4.07. You know what time that means, right? Time for another episode of We Do Recover. Really? Here we are sitting in the studio. Yeah, I love these Friday afternoons. Friday afternoon. Today we have a special guest. She's come all the way from Layton, Utah, Davis County, where I grew up, my old stomping ground. Shan Blake has come on to tell us her, her story. We've dubbed it the comeback story. Before we get to that, though, episode 96. Wow, we've done 96 of these sellers. Craziness. Episode 96, part one, is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is here to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you're ready to reach out. Reach out by calling them at 801-800-8142 or just go right to their website. That's stepsrc.com. They have everything. Detox, inpatient, outpatient, aftercare, a great alumni group. Definitely uh, give them a call. We also have episode 96, part two, is brought to us by Rise Up Supps. Rise Up Supplements, uh, we're getting the website pulled up here if you're watching the video version, is... Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Okay, that's okay. If you want to check it out, go to riseupsupps.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P. S-U-P-S dot C-O-M. So we've got two products out right now. We have the Mindful Mood, which helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. And then the one that's been super popular lately, it's been flying off the shelf, is MindShift. MindShift increases focus. It helps optimize brain function. It's basically like an herbal Adderall in a capsule. I took my MindShift before I got in the car to come here today. Yeah? How do you, how'd you yeah, feel? Beautiful. Do you do two or three? Two. Two? Yeah, two. Yeah. I'm yeah. a lightweight. It's good stuff. Have you liked it? Have you liked it? Oh, beautiful. It's good stuff. Yeah. We got to get Shannon a bottle and see what she thinks. Sure. I know. I need it. Sure. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, I got the sponsorships out of the way, Doc. You did? Yeah. Now My you, turn? Time for you to take over. What are we Auto talking pilots about? off. What are we talking about? Okay. Uh, so episode 96. Uh, I don't know if Shan has listened to many of our episodes, but we always have a little tiny bit of a format, but it's a tiny bit of a format. We don't have a lot of formalities. But one of the things we do a lot is new and good. New and good. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, new and good. So we're going to do new and goods. Jared, you want to start us off? What's new and good in the world of Jared Q. Miller? Q. I made it My up. My middle name's Q. Made it, made it up. Uh, you know, my new and good is just having Shan come down here. It's kind of cool. Like, I've had Brandon Stallworth come down here. Like, people from, from the area that I grew up in, it's always fun, you know, since I've relocated to southern Utah. This is kind of my oasis. This is my piece down here, you know, my little, my little getaway. So it's fun to have somebody that I grew up in the same area come down and be on the podcast. That's I, my new and good. I don't necessarily want to start off on content yet, but I'm going to start off a little bit. How do you know Shan? Like, how did you so get in uh, contact with her? I, I've actually, I was just telling her before we came on, uh, I actually worked with her husband. Okay. We sold cell phones together. Okay. I was probably getting high at the time. He probably sure. had to fire me. Sure. Um, but, you know, just, just the same circles of people, same friends of people. You know, she's in, into fitness and stuff. I hit the gym like once a week, you know. Once a week? I, I, I follow her on social media. <laughs> Yeah, she, you know, <laughs> okay, just similar Got circles. It. Got it. Yeah. She she like is it. sponsored by One, One Mission Nutrition, mm-hmm. who yeah, the yeah. owner of One Mission Nutrition is uh, Keaton Hoskins, <clears throat> who was my college roommate my first year down at Snow College. So just commonality of friends. All right. Yeah. Shout like out to it. Keaton. Love you, bro. I like it. Shan, what's new and good in the <laughs> world of Shan Blake? <laughs> Um, I just got my business license for my cake business, which is pretty exciting. Wait, 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 wait. Talk about that. So I do custom cakes. That's like what I do for business. You've never eaten a single bite of a cake. I try every in batch. Your entire, <laughs> in your entire life, you've never it's eaten hard, a single man. bite it's of cake. It's hard, man. Don't try to tell I me I get that. like those cookies and everything everywhere. It's hard, but... Serious? Yeah. For those of you that are listening to the audio version of this, Shan Blake is shredded yeah she's two weeks out from a fitness show <laughs> yes that i'm gonna win first place 
I think you probably are. I'm, I'm gonna. Dr. Listen, Sellers I've invited her to go to dinner. Things, but yep. And she's like, wait, 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 I would wait, love to, wait, but I my, can't. My wife's listening. <laughs> well, all of us. <laughs> right. All of us, right? Not he just invited, me. It was not just me. Sellers right. takes everybody out to dinner usually when he comes down. He's a good dude like that. And she's like, I would love to, but I can't eat anything. There's nothing I can I'm eat. I'm going to order the biggest water on yeah. the menu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can have all the water. The Extra lemon. Yeah. Bring limes, too. But the cakes. Yeah. The cakes. So yeah, I have my business How long license. How you been doing that? Like six, seven years. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good. What's your most popular cake? They're all custom. I do like the crazy fondant stuff, like animals. Oh, you like. do all kinds of <laughs> yeah. sculptures and mm-hmm. wow, it's pretty cool. <laughs> what? So you do that out of Layton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's her. A lot of her stuff is like if you watch Cake Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that, that the name stuff? of the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, like they design is it cake? Is it you know, cake? You have yeah. to like guess if it's cake right. or not. Mm-hmm. I love that show. Mm-hmm. I've only seen it a couple of times, but I love that show. Yeah, I sometimes there's a, like a basketball there, and it looks just like, like a basketball. A, but mm-hmm. there's a real basketball and a cake, and you can't tell which one's which, and it's like that's cool. My wife yeah. Mandy loves that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. Give yourself a plug. Where do people find your? Yeah, cakes? how do we find? So out? I have my Facebook page and my Instagram page, but they're really long. So I'm. Mrs. Blake's Custom Cakes on Instagram, and then I'm Blake's Cakes on Facebook. Mrs. So. Blake's Custom Cakes on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I've delivered and an hour Blake's away, an hour Facebook? and a half away. So I'm in Layton, but delivery is available. Uh, is it available all the way to Orem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's about an hour and a half. Yeah. Maybe. That's where Sellers lives. Yeah, that's where my sister two. lives. Well, close. My mom right. lives in Lehigh, you actually. Can, you can come visit your sister and bring me a cake. I know, right? I will. All right. I need to, no, I mean, I need to order one. Cupcakes, too. Yeah. Cake pops, sugar cookies, all Love that it. stuff. How do you do <laughs> what you do all. and you cook all that yeah, stuff? That's, that's crazy. Right, right? I try that it is and not spit right. it in the sink and rinse my mouth out. For reals? Yeah. So you're like a, I'm a Or t- I chase after these guys and make them. I'm like, what flavor is this? And if they can't tell me, it's not flavored right. She's pointing to her son who's yeah, in the corner. He's, he's videotaping this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. I, uh, that's an, I'll tell you a really super quick story. I treated a guy once for alcoholism mm-hmm. who was a wine taster by profession. Wow. That's his job. His job was to taste wines and it was, and he was, you know, like some world renowned wine taster guy and didn't want to give up the job, but was an alcoholic. So he had to taste wine every single day of his life. You might I have to so give up trouble. your job. <laughs> I'm not certain if he's still sober. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but that's just a tough job. Uh, okay. Mr. Denovan in the corner. Oh, I wasn't sure if I was invited. What to this is party new or not. and good in the life of Sean Denovan? I, I bought a shipping container. Nice. Uh, there you go. What? Oh, wait a sec. Hold on. What? Hold on. Did I'm going to get into the smuggling let's, business. Wait, what, let's all make guesses. Here, what he's gonna, <laughs> hold on. Don't tell us. Let's all make guesses what he's going to do with the shipping container. Chinese uh, <clears throat> artifacts. Nope. He's selling his house and moving in. Boom. Not quite, no. <laughs> I needed a garage. So you, need, now, you need a storage spot? Yeah, so yeah. Or, or plop it in. So you actually week. bought one? Shawnee's, one? Shawnee's yeah. artifacts. Yeah, so I, I got the guy over there right now. He's uh, he's plowing the ground, getting it ready. We have a wall built, and then boom, they're going to drop it in next week. Big old crane, piss off the neighbors. It's going to be fantastic. So it's going to be <laughs> underground. It's going to be... Sure. I thought about yeah. it. I thought about getting an underground one. I'm like, I need like an underground layer man cave thing. But that was going to be like an extra $8,000 on top of okay. the price. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's above ground. But now. they do it. They do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I'll like bet. bomb shelter. Yeah. Pretty much. They have to like reinforce the frame and then tar the whole thing. Rad. Wow. So I was like, yeah, how much? Oh, that's right. I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. It is what it is. Sweet. Hey, it's new. It's good. I'm happy. All right. What about you, Doc? What's your new and good? And then we got about 15 minutes left in this first yeah, segment. Sorry. We got to get at it. The good doctor has had a birthday this week. Happy birthday. Thank you. He needs a cake. I know. I was just saying like, <laughs> dang. I didn't even think about that because I didn't know she did cakes. <laughs> uh, my birthday was Wednesday, Tuesday. My birthday was Tuesday. Happy birthday. 63 years of age. I know. It's about over for me. I'm just about <laughs> like... Bury me in the shipping container. <laughs> nah, you're just hitting your second we're wind. Gonna, we're gonna you're just I'm about to go wind. underground yeah. in the shipping container. But that was my new and good. And I, uh, you got uh, a chance to speak at the fall conference last week. Uh, I spoke at which fall is conference a huge too. honor, right? Like which, only so many cool. people get to do that. Yeah, that was kind. It was cool. Don't be humble. 
Well, I, I enjoyed it. I spoke about ketamine, which is an interesting topic that, you know, a little bit of controversy, which you know me, I love controversy. That's why you did that um, topic. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and then, uh, was there one more new and good thing I wanted to talk about real quick? Um, there was, but I can't remember what it was, so I'll probably think about it in, like, right in the middle when Shan's telling <laughs> the story. So let's get moving. Tell us a little bit about Shan Blake. Like, just introduce yourselves to us, first of all. I don't want to necessarily get into the story yet, but we okay. will very quickly. But who's Shan Blake? So I am a mom to seven kids. It's a his, mine, and ours. But they're all my little snots that I have at home, and I love them all to pieces. Um, How old are they? So I have a 8-year-old, a 10-year-old. She's almost 10. And then two 12-year-olds are almost 13. They'll be 13 this month. And then my 15-year-old, he'll be 16 this month. And then we have a 19-year-old and a 22-year-old. Man, that's a big spread of It's kids. fun. It was a little crazy at first, but say, it's fun. Did you say, if I paid attention, 8 to 22? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yep. a cool So two spread. are moved that's out. We still have five at home. Okay. but So it gets pretty crazy, but yeah. it's fun. Awesome. Married? Mm-hmm. Married. Two. Do you want to name? Brian Blake. Okay. Yep, he's going to have to own it. Yeah, that's my husband. You just mentioned him on the air. So he's amazing. Good. He's good. super patient. He's he actually got me through a major part of my recovery. I don't know what I would have done without him. So awesome. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you, live in, you live in Layton. You own a cake yep. business. Live in Layton. We've lived in Layton. I've lived in Layton most of my life. It's practically grew up in Layton. Like my whole life. Yeah. Went to high school in Layton. Haven't gone anywhere in like 20 years. Okay. <laughs> Longer than that. Like. 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're not 30 years old, so it's not that long. 35. What? Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. Did you go to Northridge? Mm-hmm. Got you. Mm-hmm. Okay. For a minute. Northridge. Thanks. Northridge High I, School. I couldn't think of names of uh, high schools in Lake. There's Layton yeah. High, and then there's Northridge. Okay. Yeah. Northridge High School. I figured that's why I figured there were cool kids, All the cool and rich kids go to Northridge. Yeah. And you all went to Layton. Dude, we were so broke. And you went to Layton? No, I went to Clearfield, which is even worse, We were one man. of those they ones the, they like let in. They were on the west side of the I-15. Yeah. 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 But I'm pretty sure we beat them every year in football, so that's that. Yeah, probably. Just kidding. Northridge beat us the year that they took state. I was in pet band. Were you? Yeah, I was a band geek. Yeah. Loved it. Nostalgia what, going wrong. What, mm-hmm. what instrument did you play? I played band? the French horn and then I played the mellophone in the pet band. It was wow. a blast. I don't even know what a yeah. mellophone is, but it's a like French a horn, huge I know. trumpet. It's okay. It's like a trumpet, but cooler. Okay. It's a cool trumpet. Yeah. All right. I like cool trumpets. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into where are we at? 12 minutes? Yeah. This is yeah. a podcast about recovery from addiction. Should we talk about it? Let's talk about it. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about uh, how you grew up, first of all. Born uh, where? Born in American Fork, okay. but we moved to Layton. I went to East Layton Elementary from kindergarten up, okay. North Layton Junior, and then Northridge until I dropped out. How do you describe growing up? Um, I had freaking awesome like? parents. They were super religious, were, you know, really spiritual. I, I had a good childhood. Predominant like, religion? Yeah, everyone has their problems, but oh, LDS. Okay. But yeah. my parents were awesome. And, you know, we had nine kids in the family. So Whoa, it was like, yeah, family. yeah. Night games were a blast. We played all the time. So I had a good childhood. Okay, cool. My, me messing up was not my parents' fault. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I hope at this stage in our lives that we can maybe not blame our parents no, anymore they, anyway. No, they but, did. That. They were awesome. Uh, yeah. Like but, my mom, she had a hard time when I was going through it, but she knows now it had nothing to do with her. So. Okay. I can't handle it anymore. We keep beating around the bush. Hard time going through what? What exactly and where did that start? Hey, back off, dude. <laughs> we got 10 go minutes of the first segment. Let's get we to it. We got 30 minutes of the next segment and we're fine. Okay. No, go ahead. So. What he said. Story of recovery, uh-huh. which means at some point there was, you know, some, some drugs, some active, mm-hmm. active addiction going on. Yes. What was going on in your life around that time? What led to it? How'd you get into so, it initially? Like, how'd you get exposed to it? It kind of started, you know, in high school. I was 16. I ended up sloughing seminary one day and um, oh, ended up. Nothing good happened oh, when you sloughed no, seminary. No, 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 it doesn't. Um, I ended up being sexually assaulted by one of my friends. And I was like. Was the, I, wait, was that related to a sloughing seminary? Yeah, I went to his house. We sloughed oh, okay. seminary. He drove me to his house. He ended up, you know. Getting all crazy. I had no idea anything. We were supposed to play video games. We were supposed to play Mario Brothers, you know, and I told him, like, I need to be home 
by the time school gets out or my parents are going to know all this kind of stuff. I ended up being almost an hour late from school. He like hid my clothes from me. It was like a horrible, horrible experience. Locked me in the basement. It was crazy. And then after that, I just, I was so religious beforehand. I felt like everything was just ripped away from me. I got punished for no freaking reason. And so I was very negative about the whole thing. Wait, what does that mean? You got punished? Like, I felt like I got, I got punished. Like the, God was Being sexually punishing. assaulted was a punishment yeah, was like from a, God. Yeah, it was like, a, okay. it should never have happened. And I didn't take any accountability for myself and just blamed God and was super angry. And, um. Why would you be punished by God? I don't know. See, okay. I was like a dumb kid. I was no, no, just like, fine. I'm just getting through it. You yeah. know, I don't I know. Too, I felt like, what, I, is it because you slept seminary? I, that's what I felt like. Is I that, felt, that, yeah, that? that's honestly, I was like, I should have been at seminary. I ended up sloughing and like nothing like that had ever happened before. And it was like, so because so you crazy. didn't go to seminary, God allowed you yeah, to be sexually I was, assaulted. And I was like, so, so, so the mind of a, mind of a 16 year old, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, especially when there's trauma. So let the clinical piece in me come out, right? Whenever there's trauma, our <laughs> brains tend to search for reasons or yep. commonalities yeah. or associations. And so it, I mean, it makes sense that you could draw those parallels being 16, your frontal cortex isn't fully developed at that mm-hmm. point and experiencing trauma. I mean, sure. Right. Like it's an irrational thought looking back, but at the time you believed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I knew I shouldn't have slept. I knew I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. And then all that crazy stuff happened. And I was like, whoa, you know, so I didn't really tell anybody. I came home from school. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell my mom anything. I just told her I stayed after, got a ride from a friend, didn't say anything, went to work. Um, my coworker, I ended up telling her what happened and she ended up calling the police and I ended up having the police come to my work and taking how, statements. How did you like it when she called the police? Was that okay? With I told you her it was you? okay. Okay. Cause she was like, this is insane. I told her the whole story and I won't get into it, you know, right sure. now, but sure. it was crazy. And then I ended up taking those statements and then they took my mom with me and did another statement and went and checked everything, you know, made, took all the pictures and did all that stuff. And My mom was sitting there next to me, like bawling, listening to the whole story. It was absolutely horrible. Mm. And then everything got thrown out. So it's like that whole girls coming forward, nothing happening was crazy. I started binge drinking. I started smoking weed. Um, I ended up like going into school drunk all the time. Um, Ended up dropping out and like, I think I went my sophomore year and showed up for a second, my junior year and ended up dropping out and just started into meth and drinking and like whatever I could get my hands on really. And I turned 18 early. So I ended up moving out in my senior year, dropping out, just completely going off the grid, you know? And my mom, she would come, you remember Leighton Meadows? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I lived there with a couple of friends and not friends, a couple of other addicts who were just the same as I was, you know, and my mom would, come every week and bring me food. And I wasn't there half the time. She'd like ask all my neighbors, Hey, have you seen Shan? And they're like, no, we haven't seen her for days. You know, my mom would just think like she's in a ditch somewhere. She didn't know if I was alive or not. You know, she'd bring little baskets of like bread and meat and eggs and milk. Cause she didn't want me to starve. And does she, she knows you're using at this point. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there, there was just nothing. I just wouldn't listen, you know, why move out? <sighs> because at home I was just sneaking out all the time. I, I don't know, to rebel, to be a jerk. <laughs> I, I just asked that because a lot of times, especially when there's some type of uh, sexual assault, addiction, all of this stuff tends to usually lead to a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment. Oh, yeah, just I, I could imagine lying. having to sit next to your mom and share that and then come to find out she finds out that you're coping through drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm. Yeah, that had to I be didn't want to have to come situation. to terms with what I was doing with sure. the people around. It's me. easier to it run. It was yeah, it was easier hide. to run and hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your parents handled that your um, assault okay? I don't blame them, but no, and no, I mean, no. who knows no. how to even handle that situation? Nobody knows how. That's so that's like true, absolutely. I know there they, is no right way. Yeah, they did their best. Right. That's, was it handled? I'm sure that's true. The best, maybe not. Did it but somehow affect you the way they handled it though? So my dad had said something. I know you don't want to blame them. And I don't and want to. Because it's it's nothing. It isn't related to them. I took it as They that, did the best they could do. Age. For and, sure. And it, so that was an important part because that alienated me from my dad for years. Okay. He said something that, that He just said you. something to the effect like you shouldn't have been sluffing. And mm-hmm. I took it as like, oh my God, that is like my punishment. 
you know, I shouldn't have been slapping you right. And it like reiterated what I had already thought to myself. It's your fault. But he like, how do you even talk to your daughter after something like that happened? I can't even imagine what was going through his head well, as th- a parent now. I think so. many parents would say the same thing. And Just yet, to try and blame, you know, maybe yet, put it right. on something. But the thing is that makes cope. you like your, it's your fault you oh, got like sexually died. assaulted, which is clearly yeah. not true. It's never mm-hmm. the victim's fault. And I'm sure that's not what he meant. It was just I, like I'll a heat of right. the moment thing, yeah. but I didn't talk to him. I hated him for a long time, mm. like a long time. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Um, so you're living in the Leighton Meadows. Leighton Meadows. <laughs> in Leighton Ghettos is what yeah. everybody calls yep. it. Just, um, just using away. Yeah. And I was a mess. It ended up, all my roommates had ended up getting, or getting arrested. And so um, I was dating a guy who was older than me. He was getting like my alcohol and my cigarettes and stuff for me. And um, when they got arrested, it wasn't in my name. And so I asked him like, hey, can I come live with you? Because I can't stay here anymore. You know, nobody's here anymore. Right. So you're not even 21 at this point. No, Sorry. I was, I think I was 18 Okay. at the time. And so I moved in with him and his mom. I cleaned up for a little bit. You know, I was still drinking all the time. I was smoking weed all the time, but it wasn't like meth or I hadn't gotten into opiates or pills or anything. So I'd kind of like left the meth behind and gone more towards drinking and just you know, the weed. And then I got pregnant with my son and I cleaned up. I did really, really good for a long time. It wasn't until he was about two or three that I really got into the heavy drugs. So I was like working full time. I took care of him. Um, His dad was in jail at the time when he was born. And I just, you know, I handled everything. I was responsible. I was dependable. I was super proud of myself Um, his dad ended up getting out of jail and we just, we did not mesh very well. We were on very, two very different, I don't know, planes, two different lifetimes. I feel like, um, but then, oh, where was I? What was it? How'd you get attracted to a guy that went to jail? Um, he was older and could buy my cigarettes uh, and alcohol. Oh, and he didn't, he, right. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. She, right? she met him before he went to jail. It sounds yeah. like, well, for sure. And it was actually for something that I wasn't even with him at the time. It had taken them almost two years to get everything through and being pregnant. Like I'd wrote, you know, wrote the judge, please let him out for his birth. And they would not let him. So Dang. it was. Now, how do you get your drugs? Yeah. And I wasn't on him at the time. I was pregnant with my son. Oh yeah. Good point. <laughs> so I cleaned up then and him and I ended up setting or separating when my son was probably six, seven months old, just for, you know, differences. We weren't happy. I, I was working. He wasn't working. It was just too hard. And, um, I had gotten a really good job. I had my own apartment. I had my own car. I had my own phone. I was taking care of everything. It was just like me and my little buddy, you know, um, I ended up meeting my husband where I was working and him and I, we were together for a little bit and we had lost, our, we had our third miscarriage and, um, this one I had heard, we had heard the heartbeat twice. Third in a row? Yeah. So we'd been oh. trying for like six or so, seven months. Okay. So you had a kid, mm-hmm. not with him Mm-mm. and then three miscarriages with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on the last one, oh man, I just lost my mind. Like the first two, it was very early. We hadn't heard the heartbeat. I had lost it within a week or two. It wasn't like, I mean, it was very difficult, but it wasn't like the third one. We'd gone in twice. We were going to go in to see if it was a boy or girl. And um, it had been dead for two weeks. Mm. And so like, it just hit me like, oh, I've been talking, you know, and singing. And like, we've been thinking about baby names and like all this crazy stuff. And then um, they didn't have time to do the DNC that day. So I had to go home and come back the next day. So then I went home just knowing, you know, that I had yeah. my baby in there. Uh, and yeah. I just felt so bad. Like my husband laid on my lap and was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? You know, and I took that like, you think I did something when in reality he was just like heartbroken, sure. you know, just going through it like I was. And so after that, I, I hated him. I resented him for ever saying that to me and he had wanted to try again right away. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, I've just gone through all this. I don't want to do this again. Like it was too hard. I need a break. And I stepped out on my marriage Mm. and that was how long had you guys been married at that point? Seven months, maybe seven months. We're, uh, 
about you, a time you can't you can't piece. see the timer but the timer we're, we got oh, 30 sorry. seconds left in this episode in this uh, segment so which is perfect that's a perfect little cliffhanger right i like it yeah let's leave it right there we're gonna we're gonna leave it right there and uh we're with shan blake and she has just stepped out on her marriage yes we're gonna leave that hanging for the break and then we'll come back right after this while you hear a word from our other sponsors well no some of the sponsors steps recovery center You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We left you with a pretty nice cliffhanger there. But um, before we get back to the story, really quickly, our other sponsor is the Hilton Garden Inn. The Hilton Garden Inn is in St. George, Utah. They're lovely. So if you guys, if anyone happens to be traveling through St. George and needs a really nice place to stay, they've got a great pool. They uh, have great amenities. The staff is wonderful. The rooms are clean. Uh, Always so clean. You yeah. like walk in and just the smell hits you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, oh, I just love the, how clean they are. Look there. up the old Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah and give them a shot at your business because you won't regret it. All right, let's get back to it, shall we? Do it. Shan had three consecutive yes. miscarriages. So, unfortunately, when you tell me that stuff, the so I used to be an obstetrician, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, before I got addicted to morphine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all this, like all the <laughs> stats, are coming out in my brain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a fifteen percent chance of any single pregnancy losing it to miscarriage. Two in a row is not very common. Mm-hmm. Three in a row is less than one percent. <laughs> So three in a row, you there is something else going on, mm-hmm. typically. So um, the uh, like uh, genetic defects happen in fifteen percent of all pregnancies, frankly. But to have that happen three times in a row is really uncommon. So there might be something else. Did you have a workup? Uh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. And I just mean, like, I got pregnant just... when I was eighteen, and no complications yeah. besides the C-section. He almost died when he was born, but because uh. my cervix didn't open, it was like a whole. It was scary. You know the yeah. takeaway I got from part one, <clears throat> episode 96, part one, okay. is be careful what you say, right? Because when people are in crisis or people are in moments of vulnerability, sometimes what you say and what they hear are two separate mm-hmm. things. That's good. Because like with her dad, he he just made a comment, right? Like I'm sure he was hurt. He was going through a tough time himself. Sure. Maybe feeling a little disappointed. Like as a father, he couldn't protect her. But what came out of his mouth was you shouldn't have been sloughing, which in turn she heard this was your fault, which right. it's absolutely mm-hmm. not, right? There's right. no justifiable reason for what happened to you. The second thing is after your third pregnancy failed, the miscarriage your husband, which I know him, he's a great dude at the time. I'm sure he didn't mean this, but oh, what no, he this said was... Oh, no, this is my was, first husband. Oh, your Sorry, first husband. Yeah, this okay. is my second. What he said was, how did this happen? Which you heard, this was what your you fault. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. And so that's uh, just, just my little golden nugget. So, can, mm-hmm. I love the nugget. So can we true. take it one step further? Maybe when people are in crisis, we should listen more and not talk as much. There's a great little video on YouTube that I show all the time in, in the groups that I run. It's it's called It's Not About the Nail, right? right. And it's basically right. the wife who's saying there's just all this pressure and there's this pain and it just hurts. And, and he's like, well, yeah, you got a freaking nail in your head. Yeah. Just pull out the nail. And she's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just listen to me. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sometimes we need to just listen. create space and just. Yeah, well, listen. and more, I would say as men. And I, I, I don't know if I'm an expert in this. I don't think I am. But 
Women like to be listened to. We Which don't do that fixers. well. We don't yeah. do that well. We want to fix you the situation. We want to fix yeah. the situation, right? I am such a fix that's it, Felix. It drives mm-hmm. me crazy. Yeah. I can't l- just like, yeah, I've, that's a skill I need to do better yeah, at. Yeah, you didn't it's need like somebody to fix it. Sure. It really is. Well, and the, your problems couldn't be fixed anyway, mm-hmm. right? You didn't need somebody to fix it. You need somebody to just, just be listen. with you and listen to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Maybe if we learned that out of this, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... You're, so you're, you're I, angry at your husband. Yes. And I, I actually sought out drugs like mm. on purpose. You know okay. how people are like, oh, people don't become addicts on purpose. I was seriously like shopping for pills, like asking everyone I was hanging out with like, hey, do you know somebody that can get pills? Well, yeah. Cause in your teens, you learn that's your number one yes, coping exactly. mechanism. And but, I would, I just But you don't want to be done. an addict. You want to be, you just want to feel different. I just wanted it to be done. You wanted to feel yeah. different. You wanted to get away from how you felt right then. So I started going to every party I could possibly go to. I ended up being fired from my great job that I had with full mm. benefits for me and my son. Mm. I was making like $22, $23 an hour. Mm. And I went in late for my third time and they're like, see ya. And so then I moved in with the guy that I had gotten pills from and we started selling weed and just partying all the time and just getting so high all the time. And we started with Roxy's and when we ran out of those, it was anything we could get a hold of. It was cocaine. It was heroin. It was just Oxycontin, just anything we could possibly get our hands on. Anything to mood change. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it started to get to the point where we couldn't afford our habit anymore because it was two grown people that are just using more than they can even get their hands on. Well, and unfortunately, <laughs> your source of paying for it. Yeah. $22 an hour. Yeah. Just got way worse. Yeah. So that's why the selling weed was necessary, selling drugs was necessary, and we started stealing things and just, and my son is three, you know, at the time, and he's still with me, and he would get locked in his room for hours on end. He probably had to feed himself all the time. I was super addicted to Xanax and heroin. Um... Just asleep all the time, just out of it all the time. And uh, he went through a lot. He got abandoned in Las Vegas with me that um, my ex that I was with was so abusive. Like we would fight all the time. It just became more and more common to just get choked and hit and beat. And I would show up at my parents' house at like three in the morning covered in blood and be like, hey, can I stay here? And they kept saying, if you keep going back to him, we're not going to keep helping you. And like, if you're, and the last time. So they can see it was a toxic relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty obvious to everybody else around you. Oh, yeah. And I was just sickly looking. I was gray. I didn't even look, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You just look emaciated and disgusting and not even the same person. You just look dark. I look at pictures of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. Just even in your eyes, it's almost like your soul goes dim. You oh, yeah, we see it every day. I'm sure mm-hmm. Doc sees it in detox. I see mm-hmm. it when they come into residential a lot of times. Yeah. 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 So my parents, the last time I was staying at their house, they're like, if you go back to him, you cannot come back here. And I waited it out for a little bit. You know, I was withdrawing and trying to get through it. And it ended up my dad and I got into it one day and I was like, F you, I am out of here. And he's like, if you walk out that door, you cannot come back in. And I was like, okay, great. And I went back to my ex, my abusive ex, because I wanted the drugs. I wanted it to be over with. I was sick of withdrawing and um, ended up staying with him for way too long. Um, And then I'd gone the whole time. I'm still married with my first husband, by the way. He was patient through the whole thing. He had no idea what was like going on. I ended up but going. You were, you were absent. Yeah. You weren't living with him. I would leave for like three days yeah, at okay. a time. Okay. So you sort of lived with yeah, him, but you he, just wouldn't be there very much. Yeah. And so after I had left my parents' house, I had gone to stay with him. I just house hopped. Like that's kind of what you oh, do yeah. is you just, any bridge that's open, you get on it until it's burned, you know? And so I had gone and stayed at his house with his mom and him and, um, I wanted to fix my marriage, so we decided to have a try to have a baby again, which is crazy. It. And he had no idea I was still using an on uh, the um, what is it that they give you to get off of it? 
it's not oxycodone. It's methadone. oh, you're talking methadone. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. it was. And so I had like my little stash of methadone, and I was like trying to get through it. And I ended up starting to use again. So I'd gotten a hold of my ex, told him to bring me some stuff, and then found out I was pregnant um, with my daughter, and. I was super addicted still. Like I was just so, I was deeper in it then than I had been ever the whole time. And I used my entire pregnancy with her. Like I would leave for days at a time. He, my husband at the time was thinking I was trying to take her. Like mm. I was trying to get another life set up so that I could leave when she was born. And I didn't realize he was getting a lawyer set up, which was great. Like good job because he should have, I was a mess. Um, I never said a word to anybody. I you, I was sh shooting up heroin daily, pregnant, like eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant. I only stopped when I had gone into labor with my daughter and I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen as soon as she comes out? And um, man, hearing her cry <laughs> for the first time, sorry. You're I right. just thought like, thank God she's okay, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um but I hadn't used for almost a day when she was born. So she was born withdrawing like hard. Um, she's, Thank God she's okay oh because you'd had three prior miscarriages. Just that she was born alive. I was, you know, being a drug addict, I'm like, sure. I don't know if she's okay. Like if she's going to come out just a lot of fear. Yeah. Just, yeah. I had no idea. And I was so selfish. I didn't say anything. I didn't warn the doctors. I didn't say anything, you know, cause I was preserving myself as an addict um, and so she was born and started crying and I was just r so relieved and scared to death. Like it's coming, you know, they're going to find out any second now. And she ended up spending her first month of life in the hospital, um, on anti-seizure medication that was very dangerous to have babies on, but she was in such severe withdrawal. They had to keep her seizures under control and, um, constant morphine every couple of hours they ended up weaning her off man that girl went through it <laughs> she um she's a little fighter though um and then within a couple of hours of her being born obviously a caseworker came up to my room she's and my husband at the time was downstairs getting some food and she's like so we need to talk about something and I was like oh my gosh here it comes you know and there it was she's like your daughter is so severely addicted. She's like, I've worked here for almost 11 years. I have never seen heroin levels that high in a baby before. Uh, it just killed me. <laughs> um, and they were like, we're not going to take her from you. Or we're not going to take her from you. If you can prove, like if you can go take a drug test today, we'll see where your levels are at. And if we can see that your levels are going down after this, then we'll start, we'll make like a plan for you to be able to be her mom, to be in her life. And I went and took the drug test and I went and shot up in the bathroom right afterwards. Like I told her like, oh, you know, that's great. Let's do it. I had talked to my husband at the time. He found out everything that was going on. I can't even imagine what went through his head. And he drove me to the drug test and told me he'd be there through it if, you know, I wanted him to. And we decided we were going to do it. And I just behind closed doors, you know, you sit and lie your way through situations. And all the time I'm thinking like, oh, I got to get my fix. Like I feel horrible, you know. And um, I ended up calling my ex-boyfriend to the hospital to bring me more drugs while my daughter is in there. Oh. withdrawing and my husband's downstairs and uh, it was horrible. <laughs> First of all, Shan, I just want to say, yeah, thank you. Like the pure vulnerability, right. And just the rawness of, of sharing that piece of your story is very touching. I'm over here choked up watching you getting emotional. Um, secondly, it's not, a, it, it, that's not that uncommon, right? Family members, friends, people look at individuals in the situation that you just described and go, why can't they just stop? Mm -hmm. But at that point, and I'm sure Dr. Sellers could go into a whole lecture on this. You're so dependent that you really don't have a choice. <sighs> the choice has been taken from you at that point. This is a disease of choice, right, doc? But at that point, like you're so physically dependent, mm -hmm. your brain's correlating death mm -hmm. with stopping using, yeah. right? The only thing I want to say about it, I don't want to do the lecture because we've done it a bunch and, and we don't have time, but... 
There isn't anything else on the planet that will break a mother-child bond like drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Yes. That's the single most uh, ridiculous thing that it does is mm-hmm. it can break them, which is an impossible, almost impossible bond to break. Mm-hmm. Do you still beat yourself up for that though? Because I watched you. Well, she's it's doing like, it right now. It's not that I beat myself up about it. It's just really hard to have those memories and know it was me. Like I, sure. I just love my kids so freaking much. I, I would say that <laughs> it probably just, wasn't you. Yeah, it, and it wasn't. It's but funny. at the same time, it's like my. It's in decor. my head. You know, I was in those situations. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know. Okay, so, so we're we got eleven minutes left. Okay. <clears throat> So how'd you stop? I ended up getting arrested. Okay. Thank goodness. I had ended up walking out of the hospital, told everyone, peace out. I'm going to be a drug addict. I don't want to quit. I'm not ready. Take the kids. I went into court and gave my son up and gave my daughter up Mm. and was like, I am not in any position to take care of them. I am not ready to quit right now. So have their dads take them, have them take care of them and I'll get back to you. And I ended up going back with my ex-boyfriend who was abusive that I had gotten the drugs from. And him and I just went straight downhill, just, you know, as far down as you possibly could. I OD'd in Salt Lake, died, and they brought me, you know, back with Narcan. And I just woke up going like, don't arrest me. (laughs) You know, like just not a care in the world. Just don't arrest me. And then it ended up um, my boyfriend had had a warrant and we had pulled up to 7-Eleven and like all these cops came out of nowhere and I had a bunch of crap on me. And was passed out high in the car and woke up in jail. And it was the best thing that ever freaking happened to me. A lot um, of people a lot of people say that when they're sitting in the back of that cop car, there's oh, it's almost a, a sigh of relief, it's right? It's like, yeah. Did kind you of feel that honestly? A little bit. Or were you yeah. scared? It it was like a mix of both. Okay. Cause it was like the only time I ever had clarity about what I was doing and the situation my children was in was in jail. When I could sober up in jail and think about what was going on and talk to my son through a jail phone, you know, is a whole other thing. Not intoxicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And actually hear his little voice without being messed up, you know? So I had my court date to get out of jail and my, I had given my, the judge, my parents address, like that was the place I was going to go. And my dad stood up in court And he said, no, that is not the address she will be staying at. She is not allowed to stay with us. Mm. You know, he'd finally cut me off against my mother's wishes. They had a huge, I'm sure that was interesting at home. But um, I hated him for it at the time. Best thing he could have ever freaking done. So I, yeah. So I ended up giving them uh, one of my friend's addresses. I had gotten out of jail. I was homeless in a broken down truck for a while. And there was one night that I was sitting at a gas station parking lot. Was it a three or a four bedroom truck? It was, it was, it had an extra room in the back. It was kind of nice and a covered back. So it was classy. It was was one of the classier ends. My alternator was broken, so I had to charge it, you know, so I could go anywhere. But other than that, it was pretty classy. Yeah. Um, So I was living at like gas stations because they were open all the time. If I needed to use the restroom, brush my teeth, whatever. And I was sitting there just listening to cars go by. I couldn't have my kids. Everything was supervised visits. And I was looking across the street at Albertsons at the time. And I was like starving. And I just thought like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to steal some freaking food, (laughs) you know, because I'm freaking hungry. But I was on a plea and abeyance program. That's what they let me out on as I was on probation. I had to make sure I drug tested and I was on a plea and abeyance. So nothing, you know, nothing. Right. Can't be caught stealing. Yeah. And I just kept thinking like, oh, I'm so hungry. And. I honestly just said a prayer. I am super religious. I was always raised that way. And I just said a prayer, like, get me through this night, you know? And I had like this warm feeling go over me. I wasn't hungry anymore. I fell asleep and I ended up having a job interview at Maverick the next morning. I got the job and I ended up meeting my husband, Brian. I was homeless at the time and his buddy fixes cars and he had my car and I was kept waiting for him to fix the alternator, but he didn't realize I was living out of my car. <laughs> so he's like, oh, you know, I'll get you to it. I'll house. get to it. And I'm like, bro, I need my clothes. You know, I need my toothbrush. I need like my stuff. And so he was like, oh, I had no idea. And he ended up having a room available in his house. So he's like, you know what? If you need to rent a room from me, you totally can. So I ended up moving in with him. Him and his girlfriend broke up and him and I 
were like best friends from that day on. Like he was going through it. I was going through it. Like he didn't have his kids at the time. I didn't have my kids at the time. He helped me get two drug tests. He made sure, you know, like he wouldn't give me money, but he'd pay for the drug tests if I was waiting for a paycheck. So I didn't miss my plane abeyance program. And, um, I just, it was that night I realized I wanted my kids more than anything, that it was either I was choosing to die, you know, and give up my kids forever, or I had to get this done. Like it just had to be done, you know, and it was just my rock bottom, my life changing moment. And I just decided that day and just worked from then on. And I mean, it was horrible. The withdrawals are just, oh, they're hell, you know, to try and get through it and to try and work and to try and feel feelings again and emotions again is intense and Were it's you really hard. Any type of treatment program, outpatient, IOP. I went to like counseling that? a lot. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There were so, weekly counseling sessions that were life changing. Like anyone afraid of counseling, you shouldn't be. <laughs> if you find a good counselor, it's, it changed my life. So you did do like some, some outpatient therapy yeah. stuff in that process. And Cause I, I know most plea and abatements programs, they do mm-hmm. order you to some type of AA programs. Like I needed to go to AA programs and to all of my counseling appointments, all of my, um, drug tests, all that kind of stuff. Do you think that that structure kind of helped you rebuild? Yes. Yeah. Right. Because, because when I was freaking out, UAs, you, yeah. you've got to show up for counseling. You've got to do the fellowship meetings. Like, yeah. Do you and you, you go there in? and you see people are like you. Everyone in there is broken and just trying to get through the day. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'm not alone. If they can do this, I can do this. And then you hear other stories that are worse than yours. And I'm like, you know, I can, I can do this. I can get through this. And you just relate to those people. For some of us, you get ordered to treatment so many times you just decide to start to work in it because you're a, it's the only thing you're a pro at. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I'd been in and out of women's shelters and like, you know, the drug programs that my parents tried to put me in, but it wasn't my decision. And I had finally just reached the point where it was my decision. Yeah. It was something that I wanted, not that my parents wanted, but what I wanted. Yeah, that internal motivation instead of the external yeah. factors. Yeah. And so my dad and I, because we were not, you know, happy campers there for a while. And I had ended up getting married to Brian. My dad walked me down the aisle and we had kind of talked back and forth, you know, about the situations and how I'd felt about things. And um, it ended up his last birthday that he had. Um, I, it was time for us to go. I needed to go finish a cake actually. And I had went to go tell him bye and he just stopped and he grabbed my hand and he looked at me and he was like, you know what, sweetie, you always said that you would never come back. And I am so glad you did. And I always knew you would. I love you, babe. And that was the last time that I ever talked to him. (laughs) And it's like, he knew I needed to hear that because we had gone through so much and I was able to tell him like, dad, thank you for getting up in court and doing that because me as a parent, that had to just be so hard, you know? So I told him, you know, thank you for having the faith in me to do that and to have the balls really to do that and to go against my mom and deal with all that stuff at home. Cause he just knew it's what I needed. Yeah. Sometimes, so. sometimes doing the hardest thing is, Yeah. Or what's needed is the hardest thing mm-hmm. for sure. As hard as it was for you, what I'm trying to say here is the hardest, as hard as it was for you to hear it, I'm sure it was twice as hard for him to oh, say I it. I couldn't imagine. Daughter, right? <laughs> I couldn't imagine. So that was the last conversation you had with him. Mm-hmm. He passed. Yeah. Got he it. had slipped into a coma for two weeks. That was the last time I saw him awake. Mm. Wow. And then I had had, it was when COVID was going around. And so I had had a cold and so I wasn't allowed in the room to even see him in his coma or anything like that. Oh. So Oh, that was, I feel like he knew, you know, that he was going and that he needed to let me know. And you got that closure, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I'd like to point out, you have a lot of grace for your parents. Like you have many times said they were doing the best they could. Oh, I put them through hell. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Right. I'm, I'm sure that's true. And they probably were doing the best they could. Use that grace towards yourself too. Many times when you um, probably didn't do what you would consider now to be your best with your kids because you were using, maybe it was the best you could do. Well, and like now I will need to have a conversation with my daughter eventually. She is a heroin addict, you know, so if she tries anything, she'll be instantly addicted. Probably. And um, we had a little mother-daughter date the other day and she was like, Mom, 
why can't we split time together? Like, why does dad have me more than you have me? And I went into it a little bit with her, like, you know what? I was not a good person. I did not used to be somebody that you could be around. And, you know, hopefully someday soon that'll be able to change. And we can do 50-50 and he'll realize that that, you know, it's okay. And she's like, but mom, you're just such a great mom now. That's so awesome. And I just, man, you know, like, it's like, you're right. Yeah. And that's why we're calling this the comeback story. Mm -hmm. Like that is And just to hear her say that is just. Yep. You know, makes it all okay. Yeah. I think with a minute left here, though, I've got to point out, I do think that you've cross addicted because, man, I see your workout videos. (laughs) I am. I am. Yeah. I'm addicted to shreds. I am. Well, um, it's a problem. May I point out that uh, (laughs) that heroin releases dopamine in the midbrain and so does exercise does it yeah Ooh, there that's you go what it is. and there it's a schedule go. i needed like sure. somewhere to be something to do you know yep. yeah people cross addict all the time but the problem is you don't lose your job over this kind of addiction yeah. in fact she might have made a job yeah. out of it oh right? i'm sure she has yeah. right? sure they she don't lose relationships over it right yeah yeah right so the thing is that things we choose to sort of focus on that release dopamine some of them are healthy <laughs> absolutely right so yeah. it's okay but some of them aren't Thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you. Like, I really appreciate your vulnerability. And just listen, there's going to be a lot of people, I'm sure, that are going to hear this and be inspired by what you've had to say. That's a great story. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great story. I hope so. Appreciate you driving down. All you moms out there. Yep, you can do it. Comeback story, Shan Blake. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been episode 95, did you say, or 6? I can't 96. Episode 96 of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.